The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries. What is the difference between microevolution and macroevolution? Microevolution is an uncontroversial, well-documented, naturally occurring biological phenomenon. It happens every day. It is the process whereby pre-existing genetic information is rearranged, corrupted, and or lost through sexual reproduction and or genetic mutation, producing relatively small-scale or micro changes within a population. Two long-haired dogs producing a short-haired puppy would be an example of microevolution. We'll look at why in just a moment. Macroevolution is the somewhat more controversial theoretical extrapolation of microevolution that requires the introduction of new genetic information. It is believed to produce large-scale or macro changes, an amphibian evolving into a reptile or a reptile evolving into a bird would be examples of macroevolution. Macroevolution is an important concept because Darwinists believe that it is the mechanism for their idea that all life evolved from a common primordial ancestor. Since microevolution is small-scale biological change and macroevolution is large-scale biological change, many Darwinists argue that macroevolution is simply the accumulation of microevolutionary changes over time. Ostensibly, this is a reasonable extrapolation of microevolution. Darwinists, therefore, often cite evidence for microevolution as evidence for macroevolution. However, because macroevolution requires new additional genetic information, no amount of rearrangement, corruption, or loss of existing genetic information will produce macroevolution. In other words, no amount of microevolution will produce macroevolution. Darwinists draw a false correlation between the two. We will now take a closer look at both microevolution and macroevolution. We will begin with microevolution. Let's say, for example, that within the dog genome, there are both a gene for long hair, H, and a gene for short hair, small h. Now, imagine that the very first dogs possessed both genes, H, small h. If two H, small h dogs bred, half of the H, small h from one dog would combine with half of the H, small h from the other dog through sexual reproduction, and there would be four possible outcomes for offspring, HH, H small h, small h h, and double small h puppies. Now let's suppose that the long hair h gene is the dominant gene, and the short hair small h gene is the recessive gene. That means when a dog possesses both genes, only the long hair h gene will be expressed, that is, the dog will have long hair. So if two long hair h small h dogs bred, the odds are that they would have three long-hair puppies and one short-hair puppy. The two long-hair dogs having a short-hair puppy would be an example of change within a population resulting from the rearrangement of pre-existing genetic information, that is, microevolution. If a long-hair, H, small-h dog bred with a short-hair, double-small-h dog, the odds are that they would have two long-hair puppies and two short-hair puppies. If two short-hair, double-small-h dogs bred, they would produce only short-hair, double-small-h puppies. And if this group of short-hair, double-small-h dogs became isolated from the long-hair dogs, they would lose access to the long-hair H gene altogether and become an isolated gene pool. When it comes to dogs, 
isolated gene pools are called purebreds. Likewise, if a group of long-hair HH dogs became isolated from the short-hair small H gene, they would be considered purebred. On the other hand, the long-hair H small H and small H H dogs would be called mutts. Human breeders have been exploiting this biological phenomenon for thousands of years, selecting dog couples to mate based on their appearance in order to accentuate and attenuate traits gradually over time, and thereby introduce new breeds. Now, imagine that within a long-hair H small H population, a genetic mutation disabled the expression of the long-hair gene, and that mutation was reproduced over and over again within the population. The formerly long hair population would become short hair, not because of the rearrangement of genes through sexual reproduction, but because of genetic mutation. Another important example of microevolution through genetic mutation is when a population of insects becomes resistant to a certain pesticide, or when bacteria become resistant to antibiotics. What happens in these instances is that through mutation, the insects or bacteria. Lose the ability to produce the enzyme which interacts with the poison. The pesticide or antibiotic, therefore, has no effect. But the insects or bacteria don't gain any new genetic information; they lose it. It is not, therefore, an example of macroevolution, as it is often misrepresented, but of microevolution. As biophysicist Dr. Lee Spetner explains. All of the mutations that have been examined on a molecular level show that the organism has lost information and not gained it. Now let's look at macroevolution. Darwinists believe that all life is genetically related and has descended from a common ancestor. The first birds and the first mammals are believed to have evolved from a reptile. The first reptile is believed to have evolved from an amphibian. The first amphibian is believed to have evolved from a fish. The first fish is believed to have evolved from a lower form of life, and so on, until we go all the way back to the first single-celled organism, which is believed to have evolved from inorganic matter. The very first single-celled organism did not possess all of the genetic information for a human. So, in order for humans to have ultimately evolved from a primitive single-celled organism, a lot of genetic information had to be added along the way. Change resulting from the introduction of new genetic information is macroevolution. The reason why macroevolution is controversial and remains theoretical is that there is no known way for entirely new genetic information to be added to a genome. Darwinists have been hoping that genetic mutation would provide a mechanism, but so far that has not been the case. As Dr. Spetner again explains. I really do not believe that the neo-Darwinian model can account for large-scale evolution. That is macroevolution. What they really can't account for is the buildup of information, and not only is it improbable on a mathematical level, that is theoretically, but experimentally, one has not found a single mutation that one can point to that actually adds information. In fact, every beneficial mutation that I have seen reduces the information; it loses information. End of quote. When creationists say that they don't believe in evolution. They are not talking about microevolution. They are referring to macroevolution. Microevolution is a credibly observed scientific phenomenon. What creationists do not believe in is Darwin's macroevolutionary extrapolation of microevolution. Unlike microevolution, there is no true scientific evidence for macroevolution, and in fact, there is significant evidence against it. 
The distinction between microevolution and macroevolution is, therefore, an important one for those interested in the creation versus evolution debate. God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions. Online at gotquestions.org.